Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try. We're repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I am your co host, Lucia Julio. And I'm Janet in Calgary. Yay! Finally, <laughs> we are in the same city, in the same room, in the same closet. Yes, we are recording in my closet where apparently it dampens the sound the best. <laughs> Lucia assures me that the acoustics in here are great. I think she is just trying to get me to sit in her closet as a joke, personally. I can't wait to tell everyone I know, <laughs> Janet sat in my closet. <laughs> so on today's episode, we are going to talk about the 2010 movie, The Tourist, and this one was Janet's pick, so I will let her start off on why she picked it. First, I want to say, did you realize that this movie was from 2010, that it was eight years old? No, not really. It doesn't feel that old. Yeah, like I didn't realize it had been made already eight years ago. So I happened to watch this, like I caught it on the W Network, and I had never watched it in its entirety. So I sat down to watch it and I thought, you know, for so many reasons, this movie is a joke and it was slammed by critics. It's not intended as a joke. <laughs> no. Well, remember it was it was nominated in for comedy at the Golden Globes. Yeah. But I can't believe it was nominated for anything first of all. <laughs> so anyway, I was watching it and I thought, you know, the main problem for me with this movie was the two leads, Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie, the chemistry between them. Because the actual story, I didn't think it was that bad. I really didn't. I mean, it's not like a great movie, but it could have been entertaining or at least more entertaining if the leads had had some chemistry because they felt like two robots in a movie together yeah and they needed more than chemistry like they just weren't the right fit and it's not like I'm not even saying that it's necessarily their fault maybe it is maybe it's not but I think the way that the characters are described or the way that they behave they're just not the right choices when I was, it was funny because when I was reading about the movie, Roger Ebert described the movie as like a farce. So it's not supposed to be like comedy in the sense that it's hearty, har, har, like laughs comedy, but it, it, it has that sort of vibe to it, that farce. You know what it reminded me of? I know you haven't seen this movie, but it reminded me of To Catch a Thief, which is an Alfred Hitchcock movie. That was what it reminded me of. I'll have to put that on your list. I think To Catch a Thief is an Alfred Hitchcock movie. I'm pretty sure it is. We might have to Google that, but I'm pretty sure it is. But is the Hitchcock movie farcical? Yes, it is. And so that's kind of how I I felt about the movie. And they just didn't capture that. And the, the chemistry was off. But that's really why I wanted to pick it, because I thought... If they'd, it had different leads, I think it could have actually been a, a better movie. It maybe would have made more money at the box <laughs> office anyway. Ooh, speaking of which, uh, how much did it make? Okay, so box office, they had a budget of $100 million. It only made $278 million worldwide. Okay. Which I know, like when you say, oh, it only made $278 million, But I think the expectation 
that the studio had for this movie was high because if you look at the time of year that it was released it came out in December of 2010 so it was launched during holiday season so I think when they initially decided to make this movie they thought we have these two big movie stars Angelina Jolie, Johnny Depp, let's throw them in a movie together and see what happens. And I really think that the expectations were higher. Studios don't typically release movies in December unless they're going to make, unless they think that they're going to make a lot of money. That expectation was there. Mm -hmm. So I think it was like it did so poorly and it was definitely not what they were expecting. Do you have the number for just domestic? No, I don't. Okay, I'm going to look it up real quick because I'm curious. Because of Angelina Jolie and Johnny Depp, I feel like that it would have done really well. Yeah, domestic was $67 million. Okay. So I do think that those names are enough to bring out a lot of people yeah. in the worldwide market to come see it, regardless of whether it's good or not. Yeah. Then I went back and I was looking at the promotional stuff that they did. And they really hyped the movie. Like, they were both doing a lot of promotion for it. But weirdly enough, they were often not promoting it together. And that caused a lot of people to start gossiping that they didn't get along, that there was friction between them when they were filming. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's true or not, because that rumor was definitely circulating that they hated each other and that they didn't get along during filming. And that's why when you look at them on screen and the, the chemistry was so bad because they couldn't stand each other. And then the fact that they were promoting the movie separately, like fueled those rumors. Mm -hmm. And I don't get why they wouldn't have had them promoting it together. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So I wonder if perhaps the way they marketed the movie, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't know. But okay, so let's move on to synopsis. So The Tourist is about Elise sits next to an American tourist, Frank, on a train going to Venice. She has chosen him as a decoy, making believe that he is her lover, who is wanted by police. Not only will they need to evade the police, but also the mobster whose money her lover stole. <laughs> Uh, Lucy's shrugging her shoulders like okay if that's what it's about uh yeah to me once I started watching it I was just like wow this movie is basically just a perfume commercial <laughs> yeah that's that's a really good way to describe it like that's honestly how I felt so many times watching it because I ended up watching it a second time just so that I could get the whole recasting juices flowing and I was like this is basically a, a perfume commercial for Angelina Jolie. That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I like that. That's exactly it. The uh, director, Florian Henkel, I looked into him a bit because I didn't recognize the name mm -hmm. at all. Sorry, Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. Before this movie, he had done four shorts, The Lives of Others, which I don't know if you saw that. It I was did. Yeah, I did see that. That's a 2006 movie that he he won an Oscar for that. Exactly. Yeah. So he did have, like, he had made enough of a name for himself, I guess, because of the Oscar. And then a German film. Oh, sorry. And then after The Tourist, the only other thing I saw was a German film that, I'm going to get the name awful because I don't speak German, Werk ohne Autor, <laughs> in 2018. Mm -hmm. So for eight years after this movie, 
he didn't do anything. <laughs> I just want to say that I love his name so much. <laughs> and I'm going to challenge Lucia at the end of this podcast to say his name 10 times fast. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Florian Henkel von Donnersmark. 10 times fast. That is going to be your challenge. I'm going to fail. Okay. Um, well, we can get into the casting and I'll let Janet go first. Okay. Since I picked it. So yeah, again, like the chemistry between them, like that was one thing that I read over and over again. Like they got slammed so hard in the press for the chemistry. Like they were just so wooden. Like I did not believe these, that she was, could even fall in love with him. Like she always had like this weird smile pasted on her face and oh yeah so anyway I will start with Angelina Jolie's character Elise Ward I recast Rachel Weiss in that role yeah because you know I thought okay I want someone who is glamorous who we can buy as like this gorgeous glamorous woman because that was the other thing that really irritated me watching the movie like the movie was obviously written by men Clearly. and it was like it was all male screenwriters on this project because it was written from such a, a male gaze, you know, like every time she walked into a room, like every single man <laughs> would turn around and look at her longingly, like with this, you know, looks of admiration. And it's like, this is a perfume commercial. What yeah. am I watching? <laughs> so uh, you could see it was, it was so male centric, yeah. the whole thing. And it was kind of annoying by like the third time that it happened. It's like, okay, we get it. She's gorgeous. So that was why I picked someone who you could also buy as that glamorous sort of gorgeous woman. But I picked someone who I thought had some comedic chops okay. as well. Because Rachel Weisz, I think, can do comedy. Like if you've seen her in About a Boy, she, I know you haven't watched uh, The mm -hmm. Mummy, yeah. but she's funny in that. Um, she was in Fred Claus. <laughs> Why? With Vince Vaughn and Paul Giamatti. You have to watch Fred Claus. Have you not seen it? I'm going to put that no, on your movie list. No, please don't put that on my list. <laughs> I don't want to see that movie. Fred Claus is great. No. You have to see it. Um, so she's in that. So I think she can do comedy. Okay. And I think <clears throat> she would have been believable in the role. And I think she just would have handled it a lot better. I think Angelina Jolie was out of her realm on this one. Like, I enjoy Angelina Jolie's work. I like her in dramatic roles or even in action roles, but I just don't think she can do comedy. Mm -hmm. I really don't. Even though this is like a farce or whatever, like even subtle comedy, I don't think that she can do. Yeah, I think that because I do think she's a very talented actor and, mm -hmm. you know, most of the things I've seen her in, she's very good. But I did have a problem with her in this. Fine, she looked the part. But other than looking the part, I, yeah, I thought she brought nothing to the role. Um, so I'll move on to the Johnny Depp role. I just want to apologize to one of our listeners. She is related to me, my cousin Marita, who is also... Lucia's sister, um, because I'm probably about to say a few things about Johnny Depp that she is not going to be, she may never speak to me again. It's quite possible. Uh, I'm taking that chance here. Uh, so I apologize, Marita, because I'm going to throw some shit at Johnny Depp. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, like this role was not for Johnny Depp. I not at all. Not at all. It's ridiculous. I don't know why they thought that he could do this. Johnny Depp is an amazing actor. I'm not going to take away from that. Mm-hmm. But I am going to say this about Johnny Depp. I feel that Johnny Depp's best roles, and again, like, I know Marita is going to fight me on this, like, (laughs) so hard the next time she sees me. I feel that Johnny Depp's best work is done when he has costume and, like, layers of makeup on, when he has to become a character. Jack Sparrow, Edward Scissorhands, uh, the Mad Hatter in Mm -hmm. Alice in Wonderland, Oh, what was the one? Uh, the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka. Yeah, that's it. Willy Wonka. <laughs> so to me, that's when Johnny Depp shines. When he has to immerse himself and just like <clears throat> he hides himself okay. in in character roles. That's maybe how I like him best. But I also feel that that's when he does his best work. So fight me, Marita, on this one. Um, So again, like, he was completely miscast in this role. And even, like, Jack Sparrow is a good example of Johnny Depp being funny. But it's not that he is comedic. He just, because of the way the character is, he can be kind of silly about it. That's what makes it funny. I don't find him to be a comedic actor. No, and he was actually, there were certain parts in the movie, like in this movie, that he was funny. He delivered some good lines and he delivered them well. The part where he's trying to speak Italian and he's actually (laughs) speaking Spanish. And like, that was funny. Like, I think in terms of who was funnier, he definitely was funnier than Angelina Jolie was. So he succeeded in that sense. But... I wasn't buying him in this. And two things I'm going to say as well. Again, sorry, Marita. Why was his face so bloated in this movie? His face was gigantic. I don't know what was going on. And also, why was he mumbling through this movie? It was like he had marbles in his mouth. I don't understand. Why wasn't he enunciating? I I don't know about the face thing. I certainly didn't notice that his face was bloated. But if it was something noticeable, then perhaps it's because... Because throughout the movie, they kind of bash his looks. And it's Johnny Depp. Like, he's one of the best-looking actors out there. And he's known for being super handsome, super good-looking, every woman loves him, etc. So why do they just talk about how ugly he is throughout the movie? I'm glad you said that, because I thought the same thing. It was like, they keep referencing his face. Oh, you picked that face after your plastic surgery? It's like, he's Johnny Depp. (laughs) So did they do something to his face to make it look bloated? Did they want him to look less attractive? I don't know. Maybe. I I couldn't say. I felt like it was so... They were insulting him, in a sense. (laughs) Like, saying, oh, like that's your face, Johnny Depp? I I don't know. It was like, fix your face, Johnny Depp. It was really, I don't know what was going on. So I selected Daniel Craig for that role. And I will tell you why. So at this point, when this movie was made, he and Rachel Weisz were not yet a couple because in real life, they are married. 
So you're trying to change history. You wish they had met sooner and gotten together sooner. Well, here's the thing. They actually did a movie together in 2010 called Dream House, which was shot here in Toronto and in Oakville as well. We're and not here in Toronto. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Duh, I forgot where I am. I'm in a closet in Calgary. <laughs> so they shot it in Toronto and Oakville. But that is actually where they, like, apparently they knew each other, but that's where they got together was on the set of this movie. And that was the year that this came out. So I actually would have preferred to have seen them in this than in Dream House. Have you seen Dream House? I've never even heard of it. It sucks. Oh. <laughs> it is a sucky movie. Okay. I'm not saying anything out of turn. It didn't make any money and it was critically slammed. But they definitely have chemistry. Like from seeing them in that movie together, they definitely have on-screen chemistry. And again, I think he could have handled this role. Um, I know we associate Daniel Craig now with James Bond and we will always see him as James Bond, right? At this point in 2010, he already had done Casino Royale because that came out in 2008. So I don't know if people would have believed him in the role, but he's also done other stuff. Like he did Logan Lucky, which came out last year. Did you see it? No, I didn't see that one. Okay. He was good in that. And it was sort of a comedic role like maybe darkly so but he pulled it off like I think people don't realize what Daniel Craig can do maybe once he, he he's done with James Bond like we'll start to see his range but it's there the only time I saw him be funny was on SNL he was the host for an episode yeah. and he was funny and I do want to say one more thing about that so I do find Daniel Craig attractive I've mostly only seen him in the Bond films and in Layer Cake and he you know he's dressed very well and he looks very handsome etc cetera, etc cetera. and then in a few of the skits on SNL he was dressed in like whatever crappy clothing and this and that and I started to look at his face more which I like, I hate to say this, it sounds so awful, but he's not very handsome. And so I think actually that's an amazing pick because they're constantly mocking his face. <laughs> and that was one of the reasons why I selected him for this role as well, because Daniel Craig is not considered classically handsome. It's divisive in terms of whether people think he's hot or not. And his face is not necessarily a face that you associate with being a classically handsome actor. And they keep harping on that in this movie <laughs> yeah. about his face and about the plastic surgery. So yeah. I thought that was one of the reasons I picked him because then they could have been like oh you picked that face <laughs> so in your movie would he still be an American teacher or would he be British he would be American but okay. then he could do the British accent because he actually is British I'll tell you that was one of the things that I also hated about Angelina Jolie was that accent that she was trying to do she didn't pull it off in my opinion mm -hmm. I would have preferred that they had cast a British actress in mm -hmm. that role and that was the other reason why I picked uh, Rachel Weisz but yeah so I think Daniel Craig I mean like I said again they have chemistry I think they would have played off one another I think he can do subtle humor like even when you see him in certain in the James Bond films like it's not like laugh laugh funny but it's like that subtle sort of humor that I think he could have pulled off and I think would have fit into what was going on in this movie for the Paul Bettany role John Atchison or Aikison I don't know I can't pronounce the the character's name so I selected Reese Iphens 
And I don't know if you know who he is. A lot of people probably won't recognize his name. So he was best known as Spike in Notting Hill, the movie that he did with with Hugh Grant. He plays Hugh Grant's friend. Uh, He's also been in the Harry Potter movies. A lot of people know him as Luna Lovegood's dad, (laughs) Xenophilius Lovegood. Um, But I selected him, again, because he's British, also sort of keeping in theme with, like Paul Bettany is a great actor, but I didn't feel that sort of comedic sort of farcical kind of vibe off of him. I don't know that he can do that. I don't know that I've ever seen him in any sort of even darkly comedic roles. Like I associate Paul Bettany with drama. Um, So I felt like Reese Ifans could have definitely pulled it off. I think that he would have been more believable as someone who was sort of inept because that was kind of the other thing that I got from the role was his character has been trying to track down Alexander Pierce for so long. Like he's been chasing this guy and he hasn't been successful in finding this criminal. So I thought that Reese Eifens would have been um, believable as that sort of bumbling kind of detective who can't track down the, the criminal. And then for the tourist who was played by Rufus Sewell, when he showed up, I was like, what is going on here? I was laughing because I'm like, look, it's Jasper Bloom from The Holiday. Um, so I actually cast Paul <clears throat> Bettany in that role because I got the sense that the tourist is supposed to be kind of physically similar to Frank Tupelo, which was Johnny Depp's character. So I, that's why I picked Paul Bettany because I thought he's blonde like Daniel Craig and they're, I don't know. I would say he's blonde and that's where their similarities end though, no? Well, he's blonde and they're tall. Then they kind of have the same like physical sort of uh, somewhat. What? No, I totally disagree with you. To me, Paul Bettany is like long and lanky and Daniel Craig is not short, but he's not tall and he's like more bulky. Do you think Paul Bettany is taller than Daniel Craig? I do think so, and I'm going to check. Okay. Well, actors always lie about their height. (laughs) Daniel Craig, to me, looks like he's about maybe 5'9", 5'10". That's short for a guy. No? Is it? I don't know. I think so, yeah. Okay. I think he's about 5'9", 5'10". Paul Bettany might be... He's 5'10". Yeah, I don't know. I haven't met Daniel Craig. I was just (laughs) totally ballparking that. Okay. And Paul Bettany is 6'3". Okay. So there's a bit of a difference there. But anyway, so I selected, (laughs) I wanted to keep Paul Bettany in the movie. Yeah. And because I like Paul Bettany, I really do. And, but I just didn't really like him in that role. And I thought, oh, I want him as the tourist instead. Okay. Uh, So those were my casting picks. So I'll throw it over to Lucia. Okay, so for my picks, the first one that I recast was Elise. I also did not like Angelina Jolie's accent. I did not like her acting in this movie, and I really wanted to replace her. So the one thing that I think she did have was she looked very elegant and very attractive, of course. And, you know, the way that the men talk about her and everything like that, like she does fit the look. And someone else who I thought is also very beautiful and elegant but 
who could be a little more, not full-on comedic, but who could pull off the farce a little better is Catherine Zeta-Jones. And also I wanted somebody who has an actual British accent. So yeah, she's a little older than Angelina Jolie. But to be honest, I was shocked when I went back and checked Angelina Jolie's age at this movie. She was 35. And to me, not only the character, but how they did her up, how she looked, I thought she was for sure in her early 40s. Okay. And that's why I think in the in the Matrix episode, when you selected her for Hugo Weaving's character, I thought, oh, she's way too old. Mm-hmm. But no, she's not. She just looked older in this movie to me. And Catherine Zeta-Jones was 41 at this time. So oh. to me, age-wise, she would have fit a little better. And then for the Frank Tupelo character, Johnny Depp, I am not going to bash him because I do not want to hurt my sister's feelings. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Oh, sure. Paint me as the villain here. Hurting everyone's feelings. Hurting Marita's feelings. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. I think it's all been said. And I obviously, I don't think he's a bad actor. He's a good actor. He's too good looking for this role. And yeah, he just wasn't the right fit for this role. And I, I don't think it's necessarily his fault. So I wanted somebody more comedic and... Somebody who, in fact, the person I picked, I think might be too cute, but he's not super handsome or whatever. He's not like the most handsome actor ever like Johnny Depp is. Um, I thought Jason Bateman would have done a really good job. He would have been really funny. And when I think of Frank running across the rooftops and stuff like that, like I just I could really picture Jason Bateman doing a really great job of those scenes. But could you see Jason Bateman actually being a British man at the end because then we find out at the end that he actually is Alexander Pierce. Could you picture that? Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> I'm kidding. I haven't seen the end, Janet. <laughs> what? No. Are you serious? No. Oh my god. Yeah, spoiler alert. Listen, if you haven't watched this movie, like this shouldn't even be a spoiler alert. It's eight years old. Fix your life. <laughs> Fix your life. Watch The Tourist. (laughs) Yeah, so we do find out that he's Alexander Pierce, and he had extensive plastic surgery to look nothing like himself. But he is British for a total of, like, 40 seconds. Sorry, he is speaking in a British Mm -hmm. accent for a total of 40 seconds throughout the movie. So I hadn't considered it, to be honest. But... I imagine for 40 seconds he could manage a British accent, at least a passable one. (laughs) But that's a fair question. For Inspector John Atchison, Paul Bettany's role, I think you can probably guess who I cast. No. Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, nice. Bravo. Applause, applause. Yeah, because he's fantastic. And any movie with British characters, I want him in it. And not just that, I think he would have done a great job because he can do that kind of like winking humor really well. Yeah, he can. I agree with you. I just want to say if anyone has not watched Patrick Melrose yet, it's out right now on Showtime, but also it's on TMN. You need to watch that because that completely changed my my mind about Benedict Cumberbatch. Not that I thought he wasn't a good actor. I've always thought he was a good actor, but he, this performance is like next level. And I agree with you. Like, I think that he totally can do that wink, wink, farcical kind of, of humor. I could see him in that role. Thanks to Patrick Melrose, Janet now loves Benedict Cumberbatch (laughs) as I love Benedict Cumberbatch. (laughs) So for the final role, the Englishman, when Rufus Sewell showed up 
I said, who's that? I didn't recognize him. I know I've seen The Holiday, but he is so bland looking that I I, I'll never recognize him, I think, for as long as I live. <laughs> oh, no. So, but I also had the impression that, you know, the Englishman is supposed to resemble the Frank Tupelo character. And I used to always get Jason Bateman mixed up with Jerry O'Connell. Uh, when they were younger. So that's who I cast for The Englishman. That's smart. (laughs) Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. That's actually really good. I could see that. That's excellent. (laughs) Thanks. So Jerry O'Connell hasn't done a lot lately, so I will just kind of mention in case anybody forgets who he is. He was one of the kids in Stand By Me Mm -hmm. um, many years ago. And for our Canadian listeners, he was the star of My Secret Identity. I don't know if you remember that TV show. No. Oh, it was so good. Well, it wasn't so good, but it was fun to watch. (laughs) And he was the star of Kangaroo Jack, if you remember that movie. No, poor Jerry O'Connell. He's doing a TV show right now here in Canada, which I don't know the name of it, but it's coming. I don't know if it's on at the moment or if it's premiering this summer. It looks pretty funny, but yeah, that's really good casting. I agree. Thanks. That's all I've got for those. The ratings for this movie on IMDb, this movie had a 37%. <laughs> and on Rotten Tomatoes, it had a 20%. Yeah. The movie reviews for this, like critics really shit on this movie. And maybe they were judging it really harshly as well because of who was starring in it. Like Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie are both such accomplished actors that I think people had higher expectations. I think people expected them to have great chemistry simply because they're big stars. I think people just automatically had that expectation, which perhaps is unfair, right? I think maybe that's a little unfair on our part. But aren't they... The characters. Aren't the characters supposed to have chemistry? Yeah, the characters. But I mean, you can't assume that by just smashing two big name actors together that they're necessarily going to have chemistry, right? I just want to mention something really quick that neither one of us touched on. This movie is actually based on a French thriller. Did you know that? I don't think I did. Yeah. So it was a French thriller called Anthony Zimmer. And I actually wanted to watch it out of curiosity, but I couldn't find it anywhere. But I watched the trailers for it and it could not have been any more different than what they actually churned out with this. But the trailer actually, like I was watching the trailer and I was like, I would have liked to have seen Anthony Zimmer like this looks like a great movie it looked exciting and it looked like more of a a thriller than what they tried to do with this by turning it into like a farcical kind of mashup of a thriller comedy like I don't even know it doesn't fit into any genre almost Um, but yeah Anthony Zimmer actually looks good so I'm gonna try and see if I can watch it sometime because it looked interesting like the trailer was good or they did a good job cutting the trailer anyway okay interesting now i don't know janet if you saw some of the other people that had been considered for the major roles yes so i only have one name and it was tom cruise (laughs) sorry tom cruise i'm totally laughing at you um yeah but (laughs) Janet Scientology is going to come after you. Don't laugh at Tom Cruise. Oh my God. Sorry, Zenu. 
all the Scientologists are going to come after us. Um, yeah, I think the reason that he may have been considered for it was because of Christopher McQuarrie, who was one of the screenwriters on this, who has worked with Tom Cruise extensively. Okay. So I think perhaps that's where that connection came in. Yeah, that's interesting. Maybe. I also saw that Sam Worthington, the guy from Avatar, oh. uh, was one of the potentials for Frank. And that Charlize Theron was originally going to play Elise. Yeah, you know what's funny? The Charlize Theron thing I saw as well. And initially, when I started going through actresses, she was one of the first people who, who came up. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> but then I thought of Rachel Weiss and I was like, no, I haven't seen Charlize Theron do too much wink, wink kind of humor. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I don't think I've seen her do a lot of... I can't off the top of my head anyway think of comedic movies that she's done. The only time I can think of when I saw her being funny was she was on an episode of Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. Okay. And then she, I think she hasn't been given the opportunity. I think she probably could do it. But I was just like, I decided to go with in a different direction. Okay. So um, one of the things I noticed about this movie that is always a big red flag is that it went through a ton of directors. Mm -hmm during the making of it. So originally the first director was Lassa I'm not gonna say it right. Lassa Hellstrom. Lassa Hellstrom, yeah. Then he had a scheduling conflict and I would have liked to have seen his version of the movie. I think Lassa Hellstrom is amazing. And so he had to leave for a scheduling conflict and then Bharat Naluri was the next director at the helm and he left due to difficulties. I don't know what kind. And then Florian Henkel von Donnersmark <laughs> came on board. And when he came on board, that's when Angelina came on board too. And Florian Henkel von Donnersmark left the project along with Sam Worthington over creative differences. And then apparently after many other directors were decided not to be included or they were and then they left, etc., including Alfonso Cuaron and then Florian Henkel von Donnersmark returned. <laughs> I like saying his name now. Yes. <laughs> yes, I noticed that. You know what I found interesting? He was, Florian was credited with screenwriting on this as well. And that was, I think, one of the other problems with this movie. There were too many people credited with screenwriting because it was him Christopher McQuarrie and then Julian Fellows as well Julian Fellows is the creator and writer of Downton Abbey oh. plus he's also he won an Oscar for Gosford Park as well Julian Fellows so you've got people who were accomplished it's not like they didn't know what they were doing but I think there was too many different people working on this script. And maybe that's why it seemed so confusing in terms of what was going on. Like the genre, yeah. like you've got funny, but then you've got it trying to be like a thriller. But then you've got like all this action. And that's why there wasn't like that continuity there. So I think that perhaps that was a problem as well. Yeah. Wow. Still talking about directors, the director was given a large amount of control in casting decisions and screenplay <laughs> um, because of the success of the lives of others. But yeah, so then when shooting began, his famous lead actors kind of took control and in the end he had very little creative input. Mm. But yeah, I mean, when you have um, a less experienced director dealing with two of the biggest megastars in Hollywood, 
it's probably not surprising that that would happen. Oh, and then I also read that Angelina Jolie only agreed to do this because she knew it would be a quick shoot in Venice, Italy, and she wanted to hang out in Italy. Yeah, and that was the that was the one positive thing that I wanted to say about the movie. The movie is beautifully oh. <laughs> shot. Yeah. It's gorgeous. It is absolutely gorgeous to look at. The scenery... Like, that was initially what I thought, too. I was like, these two took this job because, like, why not? They got to be in Venice. They got to be in Paris, maybe. They just wanted a vacation in Italy. I don't blame them. <laughs> they probably got paid a lot of money, too. <laughs> and, I mean, when you're that big, it's not like that's going to ruin their career. They're still going to get movie roles after that. Florian might not have done much after that, yeah. but they're fine. Okay, it's time now for... Hold me close, young Tony Dianza. Hold me close. Oh, I just always do that. stop. <laughs> we want to hear it again and again. <laughs> um, okay, so it is time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. Now, uh, if you don't mind, I'll go first. Go for it. So I thought he would have been a fantastic Chief Inspector Jones, who was played by Timothy Dalton. Oh. So he is Paul Bettany's boss mm -hmm. for various reasons. I mean, I, I kind of just went with something age appropriate, first of all, but also he's about to be playing a police officer in the new Netflix mm -hmm. show. And so I'd love to see him as the Chief Inspector. I cast him as the tourist because I just wanted to see Tony Danza drive a motorboat. <laughs> <laughs> I could totally, and I think he would have been like fun as that like mysterious character. Like who is that mysterious man? <laughs> it's Tony Danza. But I, yeah, I just put him in that role because I think he would have been fun in that role. I like it. I like it. I want to see him drive a motorboat too. <laughs> okay. So that's it for us for the tourist. You can contact us via social media. We are repodcasting on all the things. Um, you can also email us at repodcasting at gmail.com. Yeah. If you have any movies that you think need recasting, let us know. We're always up for suggestions. And also stick around though, because Jen and I are going to talk about our movie challenge that we have been talking about for a few episodes and we each have a movie to talk about. So I watched Youth which stars Michael Caine, Rachel Weisz, Harvey Keitel was in it. It was directed by a man named Paolo Sorrentino. I totally pronounced that with an Italian <laughs> accent, just practicing my Italian for my listeners. Mm -hmm. He was the writer and director. I had been wanting to see this for a while. It had been on my radar, so I really, really enjoyed it. I okay. loved, yeah, I loved, I loved it. But it's the kind of movie that I like. It's very, like, character-driven. And Paul Dano is in it, which you didn't mention. Were you keeping that a little surprise? I didn't realize he was in it. I was delighted. I love Paul Dano. <laughs> and too. anytime he's in a movie, I'm just happy. So mm -hmm. he's so underrated. Oh, I agree. I can't think of any time I've ever seen him in something where he wasn't fantastic. Mm -hmm. Often, not always, but often, he's the best part of the movie. And he's totally underrated. I don't mm -hmm. know why he's not a household name and getting big yeah. giant roles. Well, I don't think he wants to be a household name, which makes me love him even more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I mean, the movie itself is beautiful to look at. It was stunningly shot. And it was just a beautiful story. Like, I really enjoyed it. And 
And if any of our listeners want to see a movie that has a really disturbing elder sex scene, <laughs> then this is the movie for you. Two old people going at it. <laughs> that was the most disturbing part of this movie for me. <laughs> Janet, sex is a beautiful thing. Just accept it. <laughs> Not when you're that old. Okay, nobody wants to see that. But if that's your thing, if that's your kink and you're into it, this is the movie for you. Hang on, because if that is disturbing you the way Janet is talking about it, don't avoid this movie. That's not like a huge part of it. And the movie is worth watching whether elder sex disturbs you or not. <laughs> also, I want to say Jane Fonda is in this movie and like she kicks ass. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> she was great. Like I loved when she showed up. I was like, what the hell is Jane Fonda here doing here? But then I was like, go Jane Fonda. Like, she was great. It was like, I loved that cameo that she did. It was, and I'm not even a Jane Fonda fan. Like, I'm indifferent to her. Oh. So I really enjoyed her in it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I saw this movie in the theaters and it was just so beautiful and very... I like to use the word quiet because it wasn't, you know, some big action blockbuster or whatever. And it doesn't move at like a super fast pace. Like it lets you really take things in. And it was one that kind of stuck with me for a while. Like I was really thinking about it for a long time afterwards. And so, yeah, that's why I put it on your list. Thank you. No, I, I enjoyed it. It is one of those movies that sticks with you for sure. It's the kind of movie that I think really inspires conversation. And it's not for everyone. I mean, if you are into like superhero movies and that's the only thing that you like, movies that are loud and everything's exploding and you don't want to like watch a character driven story, this is not the movie for you. But it's a really lovely movie. Mm -hmm. And it is on Netflix, right? That's mm -hmm. where you watch it. Um, so, yeah, for anybody listening who hasn't seen it, I would highly recommend hopping on Netflix and giving it a watch. So I watched Brooklyn and I loved it. Yay! <laughs> uh, because it had been nominated for Oscars and all this, I had been meaning to watch it for a while and I had actually picked it up from the library once or twice before and then just, I don't know why, I just wouldn't end up watching it and I'd return it and that'd be it. And so I'm glad that, that you kind of like made me sit down and watch it because it was really just a lovely movie mm -hmm. and... Saoirse Ronan is so good in this. Like, she... Oh, my God, I love her. I know. Saoirse Ronan, like, I can't say enough stuff about Saoirse Ronan because I think she's amazing. But this movie was really where I was like, wow, this woman can act. This is someone who is a genuine, gifted talent. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, she's still quite young, I'm very impressed with her acting chops at such a young age. Mm -hmm. And I will say this, it was good to see Emery Cohen as a nice guy, unlike in The Place Beyond the Vines. And I do kind of get why you wanted to cast him as PETA in The Hunger Games. <laughs> Yay! I've been vindicated again. <laughs> okay, let's see what else I had to say about it. Oh, <laughs> 
I'm just going to say this. I might cut it out. Oh, I keep calling her Brooklyn because I forget her name. So the main character, Brooklyn has two round pink velour pillows on her bed in Ireland. And my mom has that exact same pillow, but in a mustard yellow. I love that ugly pillow so much. It's so soft and I like to just rub it against my face. And it made me so happy to see those pillows. That's hilarious. (laughs) Oh, and then I was... I mean, this isn't a problem with the movie. This is a good part about it. But I was getting so annoyed with her character that, you know, she was married. Okay, first of all, I was kind of annoyed that she did agree to marry him because it was clear that she wasn't ready to and she didn't want to. And he was just feeling worried Mm -hmm. and insecure. And that's why they got married. And that's not a reason to get married. But anyway, I was really annoyed that she did marry him and then starts a pseudo romance with Mm -hmm. this Irishman, Donald Gleason, who he was great. Yeah, it just, it was making me so upset. And I'm glad that in the end, she went back to Brooklyn. Yeah, well, I would start an affair with Domhnall Gleeson, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Well, then. uh... (laughs) On that note. (laughs) And then right at the end, where she is now on the boat back to Brooklyn. And this young girl who's going to America for the first mm-hmm. time is really nervous mm-hmm. and trying to talk to her. And she's being like kind of a bitch to her and not really talk. I was getting so upset because mm-hmm. I was like, dude, you were in that position not that long ago. Mm-hmm. But she turned it around, mm-hmm. helped her out, talked her through it. Yeah. And it made me very happy. Yeah, I really I enjoyed that movie. Like it, she was nominated for an Oscar and deservingly so. Yeah, absolutely. And Emery Cohen for sure. Like. Same thing. When I saw him in Place Beyond the Pines, it was like, who is this punk? (laughs) But he can act. I mean, you really see a different side of him in this role and you really see that there's definite talent there for sure. Yeah. And he was completely believable in both Mm -hmm. roles. Mm -hmm. And he just broke my heart in this movie when he asks his little brother to help him with the letter to... Mm Oh my God, I really do forget her name. To Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so like sweet and he's mm-hmm. he does it so beautifully and just the right amount of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was very impressed. That's why I could see him as PETA. Great. Well, so we have each only watched one movie since our last episode and we won't be talking about any movies on our next episode because we're recording it later today <laughs> and we will not have watched new movies. <laughs> So that's it for us. If you have any suggestions, let us know. Repodcasting at gmail.com. And I... Contact us, damn it. (laughs) And I want to say thank you to Janet for being here in person with me. I'm very excited that we're in the same room, in the same closet. (laughs) I love being in this closet with you, Lucia. Um, This is... This is... (laughs) Like, going to be the highlight, the, one of the best podcasts I've ever recorded in in a closet. Glad to hear. Glad to hear. Okay, thanks. And, oh, uh, the next movie for next month is Gone Girl. So yeah. uh, be sure to watch that. It is available on Netflix. And we'll see you next month. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.